0: Hi, it's Leslin Keith here again with another research update flash briefing. I'm the Director of Research and President of the Board for the Lipedema Project. I like to keep you abreast of the latest research of relevance to lipedema with these flash briefings. Today I'd like to tell you about a paper by Doctors Allen, Schwartz, and Herbst. The paper is called Interstitial Fluid in Lipedema and Control Skin. It was published in the peer-reviewed journal Women's Health Reports in October 2020. Because it is unclear if excess fluid is present in lipedema tissue, the stated purpose of this study was to, quote, determine if fluid accumulates around vessels and between skin fibers in the thigh tissue of women with lipedema, end quote. They also wanted to determine if abnormally permeable or Leaky blood vessels were present more often in the thighs compared to the abdomen in women with lipedema. So, 110 women were enrolled in this study. 80 women with lipedema were age and BMI matched, with 30 women without lipedema. Of the women with lipedema, 19 were stage 1 lipedema, 40 were stage 2, and another 21 were stage 3. The average age of the women was 47, and the average BMI was 35. Skin biopsies from the thigh and abdomen were evaluated. Fluid accumulation was determined by the spacing between the collagen fibers in the skin, as this would allow an increased amount of interstitial fluid to fill up the tissue. The permeability or leakiness of vessels was determined by counting the number of abnormal vessels in that 5-millimeter tissue biopsy. This study had some very interesting results. There were more abnormal and leaky vessels found in women with stage 1 and 2, but not stage 3 lipedema compared to controls. So unexpectedly, there seemed to be fewer leaky vessels with the higher stages of lipedema. This was also the case with obesity. In women with lipedema, the greater the BMI, the fewer abnormal vessels were found. Women with lipedema who were not obese had more leaky vessels than women with both lipedema and obesity. Women with lipedema had a larger space between collagen fibers in the skin in the thigh compared to the control group, but abdominal skin Actually, showed no difference between lipedema and controls. Thus, it seems that women with lipedema have a greater capacity than women without lipedema for fluid to infiltrate the tissues of the thigh specifically. I actually came to review this article in a roundabout way as I was searching for a connection between collagen and lipedema due to the urging of one of our podcast listeners. This article talks about collagen fibers in lipedema peripherally in a discussion about the health of blood vessels. Specifically, the authors believe that women with lipedema may have increased vessel leakiness because of reduced collagen in the vessel walls. The authors are also looking at the capacity for fluid to fill tissues by examining the spacing between the collagen fibers in the skin. The interesting perspective of the authors is revealed in the discussion portion of this paper. The authors believe that lipedema is a connective tissue disorder as subcutaneous adipose tissue or body fat just under your skin is considered to be a type of, quote, loose connective tissue. Loose connective tissue is the most widely distributed of all connective tissues in the body and is primarily made up of collagen fibers but it also contains fat cells. Its purpose is to give moderate amounts of elasticity and strength in tissues and organs, but its very looseness allows it to hold fluid and expand with greater amounts of fat tissue. This study demonstrates there are inherent differences, actually, in the connective tissue between women with lipedema and controls. The authors suggest that women with lipedema often have hypermobile, or very flexible joints, and this may also be a sign of a connective tissue disorder. This greater elasticity in the tissues may allow greater amounts of fluid and fat to accumulate and stagnate. The authors go on to state that increased permeability in blood vessels, allowing fluid to leak into tissues, may be due to the damage of the vessel glycocalyx. The glycocalyx is a coating on the inside of blood vessels that forms a barrier to regulate the flow of fluid in and out of the vessel. The authors cite two studies that show that sodium is the culprit for glycocalyx degradation. So here is where our opinions differ, because I believe there is a much greater evidence that glucose or sugar causes the greatest amount of damage. And I have citations for you when you see this flash briefing appear in our blog. You can look at the citations. So in one of the, the cited studies that they used in this paper, the mice were fed a diet with 1.6 grams of salt, but also with 3 grams of glucose. But the authors of this particular study, the ones that they're citing, placed the blame on the salt. They had almost twice the amount of glucose as they had of salt, yet salt was the fault. And then uh, the second study that was cited in this paper that we're going over right now by Alan Schwartz and Herbst, the lead author's last name is quite ironically, sugar. But anyhow, this study um, showed that various vascular endothelial growth factors um, influenced the permeability of the glycocalyx and that dietary sodium influenced fluid homeostasis in rats. What it did not show is that dietary sodium had a negative impact on the glycocalyx. So I'm not sure why they even cited that study, except it mentioned sodium and glycocalyx. So although their statement that women with lipedema have a higher sodium content in subcutaneous tissues is true, it does not follow that there is a greater presence of sodium in the blood also, and that this could then damage the glycocalyx. There is no evidence that dietary sodium influences tissue sodium levels. However, it is known that sodium is excellent for fighting infection. So the higher content of sodium in lipidema tissue may actually, in fact, be an adaptive response due to inflammation and a protection against getting an infection. So I cannot support the conclusion of the authors in this study that women with lipidema should have a low sodium diet. Although I would like to caution you to consult your own healthcare provider to see what your own sodium intake should be. This paper is important for women with lipidema because it demonstrates again that there may be an edema or swelling component to lipidema. Although I can't condone a blanket recommendation to reduce salt intake the author's other recommendations for wearing compression garments and, quote, hands-on therapy to move fluid and, quote, are valid and supported by research. Thank you for joining me today. If you haven't already subscribed to our daily flash briefings of tips, tools, and research about lipedema, you can subscribe at Apple, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, or here at this website, lipoedema simplifiedorg slash flash where you'll find an archive of all of our flash briefings. You can now also follow Living Well with Lipoedema on Amazon Music and get new episodes when they become available. On Instagram, if you tag at Amazon Music and use hashtag podcasts on Amazon Music, Amazon will share or repost it wherever possible. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time for another Research Update Flash Briefing.